Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Haunted American History presents Zachary Christian Bain Birthing Day Part 3 The pace was frantic. The cloaked figure made its way through the dimly lit stone corridor. Veiled fingers brushed the rock as it swiftly made its way along. The light from the torches flickered their orange embers every six feet. At the end of the long hallway sat a heavy wooden door, worn from age and marred with cracks. Its brass handle was gleaming brightly, though. It stood out in the contrast with the dark wood. It pulled all focus to the end of the hallway, seemingly saying, right this way, all of what you seek is behind me. All you have to do is reach for it. The cloaked figure did just that. Behind the door, the walls lined with shelves. Upon these shelves sat books stacked haphazardly, as if they were taken down and returned in a hurry. A desk stood in the center of the room, littered with rolled-up parchment and worked-over maps. The cloaked figure made its way to the shelves, tearing at the books, glancing at them and then tossing them aside. The figure stops suddenly and turns its head to the side, listening for the approach of someone. It continues its panicked search, periodically glancing over their shoulder toward the door. The figure pulls out a book with a dusty green cover and wipes it with its scarred hand. This seems to be what they've been looking for. With the book clutched to their chest, the figure spun around toward the door and saw a silhouette of a faceless person in the doorway. 
The dancing flames behind them backlit its features in shadow. You can't save them, the figure spoke. The eyes of the hooded figure are visible now for the first time. The eyes seem to plead, I have to try. When the mouth opened to respond, the saxophone riff in Careless Whisper by Wham came pouring out. Zack flailed his arm clumsily towards his nightstand, reaching for his cell phone to shut off his alarm. That's pretty much all it's been good for since he got here. He hasn't had cell service since he fell through the hole behind Ming's palace. He had the dream again. He's had it nightly since he's been here. Four nights in a row. To put it lightly, the last few days have been... odd. The meeting with his godmother, Cordelia, went just about as well as it could. It took him almost 30 minutes of staring at her teeth before she just showed them to him in order to get him to concentrate on their conversation. It's not every day you meet a vampire. Well, half-vampire. He was completely mesmerized sitting in her presence. She told him that that feeling would pass. It's like an aura that her kind expel that causes their prey to go thorn. That's how she put it. Zack didn't know what the word meant and had to look it up after their meeting. It describes the act of a person or animal being frozen in terror. It actually comes from a Richard Adams novel called Watership Down. She also explained to him the difference between real vampires and the ones of fiction that he's so used to hearing stories about. Like the fact that sunlight doesn't make them burst into flames, but in fact makes them go tharn as well. And how their skin has a melanin mutation that can cause them a cancer-like disease that is extremely fast-moving and fatal to their kind. Her being half-human, she doesn't have much to worry about that, though. The hunger is what Zack found most interesting. Vampires don't need to drink blood. Well, they don't only need to drink blood. They can also feed off emotions. The stronger the emotion, the more nourishment they get. Fear being an absolute delicacy. She told him stories about his parents and about their time together under Lawman. The Five Guardians of the Veil. No more, no less. The Five Guardians representing the five points of the pentagram, with Lawman leading them at the top. She also explained to him how he was spending his time here and all the various studies that they offered. It was a lot to take in, and though their first meeting was a brief one, she assured him that they would meet again soon and continue their talk and getting to know each other. But she had to get back to work. I mean, she does have a school to run. Zack didn't feel much like eating or anything or socializing, so he skipped breakfast that was served every morning down in the banquet hall. He was just killing time up in his room while waiting for his first class to begin. Alchemy with Professor Boffin was scheduled to start at 8.45 in the attic, followed by a special assembly hosted by Professor Cadelia Dracula and Headmistress Elizabeth Rosamond at 10 o'clock in the banquet hall. As Zack made his way up to class, he still couldn't get over what he was seeing. There were literal monsters roaming the halls. He spotted the young boy he met when he first arrived here, up ahead in the middle of a group of tall boys, being pushed between them while they were laughing and taunting the boy. One of the boys, in a flash, turned into a wolf creature and roared something that sounded like null, before smacking the boy's books out of his arms and shoving them to the ground. Zack ran over to help the kid. He hated bullies, but they were already walking off laughing before he arrived. Zack squatted down to help the kid pick his stuff up. Are you alright, man? Zack asked the boy. Abe, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm used to it. The Medwooden clan has it out for me. Why? What did they scream at you? Oh, they called me a null, a non-magical wizard. 
You're a wizard? Zack asked, astonished, while he helped the boy pick up the rest of his books and to his feet. Well, well, I should be. Both my parents are magical, white mages. But I haven't showed anything yet, but I'm still holding out hope. Wait, 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 what's a white mage? Zack asked, genuinely curious. Oh, right, I forgot. You're not from around here. There are all types of magic masteries. White deals in healing magics. Black is destruction, and red is a little bit of both. You're born with natural abilities, and schooling helps you fine-tune it and eventually master it. But I haven't been able to unlock mine. I'm heading back down to Sorcery 101. Again with Madame Rosamond to see if we can figure it out. I keep telling her that maybe we should try some type of other kinds of magics, but she won't hear it. If I can't even conjure a basic spell, then there's no point in going for more advanced lessons. What kind of lessons would be in the advanced lessons? Zack asked. Uh, the problem is they don't teach them here. There are magics that may take lifetimes to master, and forget how dangerous they are. I'm just throwing stones and hoping to hit something, hoping maybe a little stress unlocks it. I've heard it's happened. But I can't imagine anything more stressful than cosmos or time magic. Stopping the rotation of the planet or accidentally sending myself back to the Ice Age is pretty horrific. I'm probably better off, but I know there's something inside of me waiting to burst out. Zack really didn't know how to respond to all this. He thought back to how he would comfort Liddy when she didn't get an A+, and how much she would have enjoyed this place. That thought of his sister made Zack sad. His eyes welled up, and he placed a gentle hand on the boy's shoulder and told him, keep her head up and think positive. You're doing everything you're meant to be doing. Abe smiled at Zack and nodded. Where are you headed, Zack? What class do you have? Oh, maybe you can help me. I really don't know where I'm going. Zack fumbled his schedule out of his pocket. I have uh, alchemy with Professor Boffin. I can't believe I just said that out loud. It says it's in the attic. Oh, I'm heading up to the attic also. I'll show you. You're going to be in for a show up there. Shelly has that class too this morning, and boy was she ticked off about it. Why? Is Professor Boffin a tough teacher? Zack asked, dreading the answer. Zack was a good student, but he was a bit of a class clown, even though currently he couldn't think about joking. Oh, no, not at all. He's great. There are really no bad professors here. She's pissed because she's in this class at all. Prior to this year, we've never had to take classes if we were a part of legacy families. And with her being a Frankenstein, she was really sour to be placed in a first-year science class. I don't know why she's so mad. It's not like she doesn't have abilities. I mean, that's why I'm taking sorcery. Again. But she built Frankie, so I'm sure she knows her way around the lab. Easy A if you ask me. Wait, Frankenstein? Zack asked, astonished. Shelly named her robot Frankie Frankenstein? Yeah, she likes alliterations. Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. 
What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Zach and Abe made their way up to the attic. The boys went their own way once they climbed up the steep, narrow stairs that went to the upper part of the house. Abe explained that they used to have alchemy in the cellar, but there's much better ventilation up here and less of a chance of someone to blow up a classroom. The class was much like Zach's science class back at home, except for a few differences. It had the same kinds of beakers and Bunsen burners, but there were also cauldrons and a station with some very large, very unsafe-looking electrodes sticking out of the floor. They had the periodic table of elements hanging on the wall, except it was much larger than the one Zach remembered. There seemed to be dozens of additional ones in different sections colored in grays and blacks. Shelley was up at the front of the room pleading her case to Professor Boffin, with Frankie standing at her heels like a metallic shadow. But he really didn't seem interested with her concerns. You understand I'm a Frankenstein, right? My family practically invented these sciences. Not to mention wrote the curriculum. Unfortunately, Michelle, it's not up to me. And your concerns are unwarranted. You're earning an easy passing grade. You should be happy. Well, I'm not, Shelley said in frustration. At that, Frankie's eyes switched from their soft blue to a gleaming red. Elevation to heart rate and breathing detected. Vocal patterns display distress. Would you like Frankie to eliminate the cause? Professor Boffin looked noticeably concerned. Shelley smirked a devilish grin, and Frankie took a wide hunched stance, and the electrodes on his neck began to glow and emit small electrical sparks. No, Frankie, that won't be necessary. Frankie immediately returned to his normal state. Would you like Frankie to tell your horoscope, or perhaps tell you a joke? No, Frankie. Thank you. You are welcome. Frankie is here to serve. Shelley walked to the small desk that was in front of Zach and sat down in a huff. Zach looked up at her to say hello, but she didn't even notice him sitting there. Frankie stood directly behind her, completely blocking Zach's entire view of the professor. The class went on, and Zach frantically tried to take notes. Upon reading it back, it all looked like gibberish. Firstly, he had a giant mechanical monster standing in front of him that he struggled to see around, almost falling out of his chair a number of times as he craned his neck to look past Frankie. Second, he didn't understand more than half of the things Professor Boffin was talking about. Catching up was going to be rough. From what he could see, Shelley was having a tough time also. There was a quiz today that Professor Boffin said was to determine where everyone stood. When he went over the questions once everyone was done, Zach failed miserably. But it looked like Shelley did also. Odd. Out of nowhere, there was a loud blast from what sounded like a pipe organ. Zach almost jumped out of his seat, but the rest of the class just packed up their things and got up like nothing. Shelley got up in a huff and stormed out of the class. Frankie struggled to keep up, knocking other students out of his way as he lumbered along in her wake. Professor Boffin announced that all students are to head down to the banquet room for a special assembly. 
The building wasn't as hard to navigate as Zack thought it would be when he first laid eyes on this place. Outside, it looked massive, but once in the doors, it was no bigger than a normal medium-sized high school. It had reverse TARDIS vibes going on. Doctor Who's time machine was bigger on the inside? This place was bigger on the outside. Zack brought this up to Cordelia during their first meeting, and she said to him that it's for defense purposes. It would be very disorienting for would-be attackers. He ran into Abe on his way down to the banquet hall, and the boys talked about their first class. Abe shared that he still didn't have any progress in conjuring anything but stomach pains, and Zack told him about Shelley's struggles. Once they got to their destination, Zack had to stop for a second and take it in. They walked between two massive pocket doors that slid into the wall as the boys approached this part of the school. It was full of ornate wooden furniture with intricate detailing. A very gothic horror vibe was going on in this massive room. There were dozens of tables scattered about, each one draped with black linen topped with an elaborate candelabra. The walls were full of giant cobwebby paintings of people, monsters, and landscapes. Torches flickered between them. There was a long dais up at the front of the room with massive throne-like chairs lined up behind it. The whole room was splashed with deep purples and reds. It was as if Tim Burton and the Adams family threw up. Zack heard his name called once he walked inside the room. Zachary? Hello, Madam Rosamond, Abe responded as the witch made her way towards the boys. Hello, Abraham. Please make your way to your table. Zachary, follow me. The boys said their goodbyes and Zack made his way behind Elizabeth. Zachary, your table is up front with the other legacy students. Sitting at the small round table already when they arrived was Shelly. Frankie was off standing in the corner of the room. This is the first time Zach saw her without a robot. There were two boys he didn't know, but he recognized them as two of the wolves that were antagonizing Abe, and two of what Zach had best described as gilly monsters. They looked like creatures from the Black Lagoon. Here we are, Zachary. I believe you already know Michelle here. And this is Xander Medwin. The twins here are Tad and Lou. Elizabeth turns her attention to the boy sitting next to Xander. Jake, it's time for you to return to your table. Jake and Xander look taken back by this. Xander pipes up. Madam Rosamond, my cousin Jake has been sitting with me for three years. Surely the new boy can sit elsewhere, he said with a smug little grin. Rules are rules, Mr. Medwin. This seat is for a Bane legacy. There hasn't been a Bane in that chair since his father, so Jake must go sit with the rest of your pack. Sorry, based on the look on your face, you think I'm asking. Elizabeth gave the boys a cheeky smile. Zack stood back uncomfortably. He didn't want to make trouble. Zack wasn't a fighter by any means of the word. I mean, don't get me wrong, he could handle himself if he had to. He would just rather not have to. Zack thanked Elizabeth and took his seat. He started to introduce himself, but Xander cut him off before he could finish. Haven't received your uniforms yet? Um, no, not yet, Zack replied. The school uniform was no different than most private schools attire. Collared shirts and black slacks, or sweaters on top of white button-down shirts. The school's colors were black, white, purple, and green. Everyone kind of walked around the school looking like Beetlejuice. You can always tell when someone from your side gets here. You all look like you're ready for bed, Xander said smugly as he slid his chair far away from the rest of the students at the table. Zack looked down at his clothes and he didn't see anything wrong. He was wearing black Adidas joggers and a Nike hoodie. Pretty sharp, he thought. Don't even pay attention to him. The Medwins are nothing but turds, Shelley said to Zack. Xander let out an exaggerated laugh. Ha! That's hysterical coming from the descendant of cowards. 
What did you say? Shelley spoke between clenched teeth. Xander peered over his shoulder toward the direction of Frankie and saw the giant robot standing in the corner, eyes a soft blue, facing the center of the room. Xander let out a grin. You heard me, girl. Now tell me again how many Frankensteins fought to become guardians. Not one, did you say? I didn't hear you. Oh, but we're people of science. Save it. I heard the big speech. Must I remind you that my father was a guardian? Know your place, child. You owe your life to us turds. Shelley was staring daggers into Xander, with Zack sitting uncomfortably between them. Xander was looking at Shelley with a smug look on his face until he caught a glimpse of Frankie. Eyes red, locked onto Xander. The boy quickly turned his chair to face the dais up front, nervously brushing at the front of his shirt. Zack didn't know where to look. Lucky for him, the assembly was about to begin. The dais began to fill with various professors. Zack saw Professor Boffin sitting next to a tall old man with the longest jet black beard he's ever seen. There were witches, an overweight gilly monster. He had to learn what they were called. He was certain gilly monster would be insulting. That small imp creature he saw talking to Madame Rosamond, and in the center sat his godmother Cordelia. Madame Rosamond stood up and brought everyone to attention. Students, we gather today for reasons that we'd never thought we'd have to again. I'm sure you've heard about the recent attacks that took place near Braintree and McCain. Now while there's no need to panic, Headmistress Dracula as well as the Council think it's wise to begin training a new group of guardians. What about the Banes being murdered? And Cornelius Bedwood missing? Are you going to talk about that? A student from the back of the banquet hall shouted. Cordelia and Elizabeth both glanced in the direction of Zack's table with troubled, sorrowful looks on their faces. Xander Medwin immediately stood up and faced the back of the room. If you're implying that my father shared the same fate as those two... humans. Us wolves don't go down so easy. If there was an attack on him, we'd all know. The wake of his destruction would be something that we would sing songs of. Zack attempted to jump to his feet to defend his parents' honor but Shelley firmly gripped his shoulder and pulled him back down. When he faced her, she nodded her chin in the direction of Cordelia. She was shaking her head at him ever so slightly. With that, Cordelia got to her feet to address the now restless audience. That is enough. Today's assembly is solely about the birthing day ceremony. When there is news to tell about anything else going on, only then will we speak about it. The room settled down and gave their attention to Cordelia. We haven't had a birthing day here in over 30 years. The contest is not for the faint of heart. Those who volunteer will be pulled from their normal studies and undergo training that they couldn't conjure in their nightmares. If you are interested in sign-ups, they will begin immediately. Put your name on the piece of parchment that has been left at your table. We will read off the volunteers at the end of the assembly and start the training at the rise of the sun tomorrow. Before any of you rush to sign, using this as an excuse to get out of class, you would want to rethink that. Signing up for the training means you will be entering the birthing day dome regardless of how you do. That this is a contract bound to the council, and punishment up to banishment if broken. The council mages, who are lining the walls at the back, the entire room turns in their seat to see four tall figures in floor-length robes standing with their arms crossed and their backs against the wall. They will open the map of the grounds and conjure the placement of the dome. Inside you will face the literal incarnation of your worst nightmare. The dome knows what scares you, 
and will fill the slaying fields with that, as well as whatever you may find naturally on the grounds where the dome sits. You will be invading the habitat of creatures who might not be so welcoming. Four of you will survive. Of course, our spells will not really let any of you die, but you will feel everything and might wish that we did. For the time being, I will be stepping down and leaving the school in the more than capable hands of Madame Rosamond. I will make up the fifth. The students and professors let out an audible gasp, and someone shouted, What about Lawman? Lawman has earned his retirement. He will assist me as a consultant when needed. I am taking his place. Now that you have the gist of the situation, it is time. Those of you that wish to join may do so now. There wasn't a lot of movement among the students. No one seemed eager to potentially sign their wish-I-was-dead warrant. Shelley seemed to be having an inner conflict with herself until she stood up abruptly and picked up the quill to be the first in the room to write her name, all while staring through Xander. Xander smirked at her and then turned to the table that sat the rest of his pack and made a signing motion to them in the air. The dozen or so students at the table jotted their names down as well as Xander. Tad and Lou immediately turned their back to the parchment. Zack felt a connection to Shelley and didn't want her to be stuck with these wolves alone. He jotted down his name as well, much to the disappointment of Cordelia. Once the allotted time was up, all the parchments on the table disappeared in a puff of smoke, and a new one materialized in front of Cordelia. The mages from the back of the room walked forward and pulled out wands from beneath their robes. They conjured a map of the school grounds and all of the surrounding area. All of their eyes rolled back to the whites and they began to chant, blue beams flooding from the ends of their wands. Their chant reached a crescendo, and the beams flashed red, and the image of a large circle appeared on the piece of the map. Half of the dome seemed to be placed over a dense forest. The crowd gasped, but Zack looked confused. He leaned over to Shelley and asked, What's everyone so worried about? Without taking her eyes off the map, she said to him blankly, That's the forest of the undead. She turned to him wide-eyed. Zombies. The council mages broke their beams, but the image lingered behind. Cordelia stood up and picked up the parchment on the table to read off the names. An uneasy feeling began to pass among everyone. It was all wolves. They were all congratulating each other and slapping each other on the back. It seemed as though once Xander signaled to his pack, no one else wanted to get involved. Xander Medwin? Michelle Frankenstein? Zachary Bain? Cordelia then paused seemingly stunned. She closed her eyes and brought her thumb and forefinger of her right hand up to the bridge of her nose and sighed. Hmm. And Abraham Sif. Somewhere in the woods near Lake George, New York, a man wakes up, head throbbing. His clothes are in tatters and he is covered in blood. He brings his hands up to see them turn from hairy claws back to human. He speaks out loud to himself. Oh no. What have I done? 